Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles and welcome back to my channel. Today's video is yet another episode in my Summer of True Crime series and it's actually been made in collaboration with an amazing South African YouTuber called Mufundo. We actually covered a South African case over on her channel so be sure to jump over to her channel and check out the case we did over there once you've finished with this video. I'd also like to say that we are currently, I think this is the ninth video in the Summer of True Crime series that I'm in, um, like the ninth one on my channel. Um, and I believe there's not very many more to go. It's soon going to be over. We're coming into July now. So thank you everyone so much for sticking around and enjoying all the true crime content that we've all been putting out there for you. I'd also just like to make the quick announcement that you can now request a case to be covered on my channel by going to requestacase.com. That is requestacase.com. It is my own website and there's a bunch of other true crime creators on there too that you can go request case from as well. So, like I said, if you want to request a case to be covered on my channel then please go to requestacase.com. I, I find it very difficult to keep up with all the requests that are in comments and in my DMs so send them on that website and I'll be sure to see them. I'd just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It's just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Now with all that being said let's delve right into this case. On the 2nd of November 2013, 23-year-old Alan Bryant Jr. put on his going out clothes and fixed his hair before leaving his family home. And his family home was on Edmund Drive, Glenrothes, Fife, Scotland, and he left at about 8pm. He met up with a few friends before walking the short distance from his house to an engagement party. It was his friend's engagement party. And this engagement party was being hosted at Leslie's Golf Club. Alan arrived there at about 9pm and on all accounts he had a really, really good time celebrating the engagement with all of his friends. He genuinely was just having a really good fun time. But like all good parties do, the engagement party soon came to an end when at midnight the venue decided to start closing up. So Alan and a group of his friends got in a minibus, I believe, and drove the short distance from Leslie's Golf Club to Sticks Nightclub. Now Sticks Nightclub was actually about a mile away from Alan's family home, which is about a 10 minute walk. And the nightclub itself wasn't actually that far away from where the engagement party was being hosted either. So the group and Alan all arrived shortly after midnight at the Sticks Nightclub. Now Alan stayed with the group celebrating the engagement at the nightclub until 2.02 a.m. That is when he decided to leave the nightclub and walk in the direction of potential roundabout. No trace of Alan has been found since. This is the curious case of Alan Bryant Jr. Alan Bryant Jr. was born on Thursday the 23rd of November 1989 to parents Alan Bryant Sr. and Marie Deegan. On all accounts he had a pretty regular and uneventful upbringing. 
It isn't public knowledge what he worked as, what he did for a living, but on all accounts, he was a overall happy and kind person. He wasn't the type of person that liked to go out clubbing all the time, but when he did go out, he always had a fun time with his friends. That was until two weeks prior to his disappearance, when on a night out, he was just messing around with his friends, having some fun, and he ended up accidentally smashing a shop window. Alan was in fact arrested and charged with vandalism for this incident and he was due to show up in court just two days after he went missing. Now it is important to note that throughout this case, throughout this investigation, there was rampant police incompetence. There was a lot of he said, she said, so for the purposes of this video, we're going to try to stick to the case facts as closely as possible. Alan Bryan Jr. and his father, Alan Bryan Sr., they had a pretty close relationship. They would often go fishing and go-karting over the weekends, just the general father-son activities. Throughout this case, Alan Bryan Sr. does make some pretty big claims and suggestions, most of which are hearsay. And one such suggestion is that on the night that Alan smashed the shop window, the night of his vandalism, he was last seen with a group of people with links to organized crime, something that we'll delve a little bit deeper into later in this video. In the immediate aftermath of Alan's disappearance, extensive searches and public appeals were carried out by both the police and Alan's family. However, all of these were unfortunately to no avail. When Alan was last seen, he had been wearing a t-shirt with three different bands of colour. Navy on top, grey in the middle and white on the bottom. He'd also been wearing dark coloured denim jeans and grey leather plimsolls. On the 8th of November 2013, five days after Alan went missing, the police finally decided to go to Styx nightclub and collect the CCTV footage from the night that Alan went missing. Let me repeat that, it took them five days to go and collect this footage and make the request. They'd also gone and requested CCTV footage from the surrounding shops, pubs, and other clubs in the area. However, as because five days had passed since the event, they weren't able to get much. A lot of the CCTV cameras had overwritten on their memory. Now, if you're not familiar with how a CCTV camera system generally works, a CCTV camera continuously records to a hard drive or a tape. And usually after about 48 hours of continuous recording, the CCTV camera will run out of memory, it'll run out of either tape or hard drive space. So what the system generally does is it will go back to the start and start recording from there again, overwriting the footage that was recorded 48 hours ago. That means that the CCTV surveillance system will only ever have a continuous recording of the previous 48 hours and that's it nothing else. You can't go any further back. Because it took the police five days to request this CCTV footage, the police actually lost valuable CCTV surveillance images that could have helped locate Alan. And even when they did send police officers to collect the CCTV surveillance images, they sent officers that were not trained technically to be able to retrieve the CCTV footage. That further meant that potential vital evidence could have been lost. Fortunately, 
the Styx nightclub CCTV surveillance system was set up to not record over itself um, until seven days had passed. It was in all accounts a more expensive system because generally the more expensive the system, the bigger storage space it has. We're going to be coming back to this CCTV footage that was collected from the Styx nightclub later in this case. It is really important to note that the CCTV footage that the police did manage to retrieve from the surrounding area didn't picture Alan on it at all. He couldn't be seen. It is as if he had left the Styx nightclub and vanished into thin air. Now on November 10th, 2013, the police had decided to send an incident support van to go outside of the nightclub to try and jog a nightclub goers' memories of the week prior. And that was in the hopes that somebody might remember something that could aid in locating Alan. However, this incident support vehicle actually broke down on the way to the nightclub and the police neglected to send another one. And they neglected to even just have a heavier police presence so that they could ask nightclub goers questions or try and hand out missing persons flyers or anything that you'd you know generally do when a person goes missing. The police effectively did nothing in an attempt to try and get people to come forward with any information they may have in relation to Alan's disappearance. And let me tell you now that Alan Bryan Sr, Alan's dad, was not happy about this in the slightest. He actually took to social media the day after on the 11th of November and heavily criticised the local police force. And that was because the local police force had actually failed in keeping their promises to the family. They had promised the family that there would be an incident support vehicle there and that there would be a heavier police presence, but neither of those came to fruition. That didn't happen. And sadly for Alan Bryant Jr's family, the police incompetence in this case is only going to get worse. Closely following Alan Bryant's disappearance, police had told his family that they would give assistance in terms of organizing ground searches. However, this was not the case and the family had to arrange mass ground searches by themselves with assistance from family members, friends, the public, their community, with absolutely no help from the police. On the 11th of November 2013, the same day that Alan Bryant Sr. had criticized police on social media, the family began to distribute over 50,000 missing persons poster in the Glen Rhodes area in a desperate attempt for information about their missing son. I suppose the social media scrutiny as well as the public scrutiny finally managed to get the police into gear and get their act together because the very next day on the 12th of November, teams of police from across Fife and central Scotland were brought in to aid in searching fields and woodlands in the Glen Rhodes area. Two days later on the 14th of November, Police also brought in police divers to search ponds and rivers in the area. However, police neglected to inform Alan's family that they were even searching bodies of water and this caused the family to understandably go into a state of panic because they thought that obviously the police had found something to warrant such searches. In fact, the family had been informed by members of the public that the police were searching bodies of water. This information should have come directly from the police. And this further added to the distress. 
No new evidence was found as a result of these searches. It wasn't until May of 2014 that the local police force actually decided to release the CCTV images of Alan Bright Jr. in the nightclub, leaving the nightclub on the night he disappeared to the public. It took them all that time to release that CCTV footage to the public, which is absolutely ridiculous to me because this footage could have easily jogged somebody's memory if it was released in the immediate days following uh, Alan's disappearance, but that didn't happen. Now, not only did the police fail to provide an actual reason for why it took them so long to release the CCTV footage, the footage has also been edited, it had been cropped and cut down. The footage, which I'll show on screen now, depicts Alan walking through the foyer of the night. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. ...club by himself. He briefly speaks to the doorman before heading out the door. You can see that Alan is actually quite unsteady on his feet, and as a result of the celebratory alcohol he'd been consuming that day, you can see that he almost falls backwards down the stairs. Although I have to say that quite a few people believe that he was actually shoved down the stairs by someone, but I can't quite see that in this footage. You can see it was a very busy night, and there were plenty of people that would have seen Alan leaving the club. The CCTV footage then abruptly ends just before a police car pulls in to the shot. Now, Alan Bryant Sr., who has seen the CCTV footage in its entirety, claims that after this public release footage stops and ends, a police car actually pulls into the shot. According to Alan Bryant Sr., two police officers actually got out of that police car, and they had come to the nightclub to tell people to quiet down and to move people along. Now, these two police officers then apparently and reportedly spoke to Alan Bryant Jr., which completely contradicts the official police statement that this CCTV footage is the last known sighting of Alan Bryant Jr. Now, whether this is true or not, and what you infer from this is completely down to you. I don't want to speculate or perpetrate a theory based almost solely on hearsay. But that report's coming from Alan's own father, somebody who he was very close with, and the police incompetence from the very start of this case. Something just doesn't quite add up for me. Alan's family were sadly the target of a troll on social media, and this honestly makes me so, so mad. I'm not going to mention the name of this evil human being out of respect for Alan and his family. But this person went on social media and he stated that he had done horrible things to Alan and he had tormented him and caused Alan to suffer before getting rid of him. I don't understand why people feel the need to attack a family that is already going through so, so much. What possesses them to put a family through further distress, to cause a family further harm and further sadness? and in some cases even give them the hope of closure just for their own sick satisfaction. Oftentimes families of missing persons or of an individual where something tragic has happened to them 
any and all information, they take it very seriously and it's no different in this case. Alan's family took this information very seriously. They in fact reported it to police because they truly believed these claims and these allegations. Lo and behold, the police actually did some investigating this time around. But unfortunately, or technically fortunately, they found these allegations to be false, that these messages were all just false information leading them on a wild goose chase. The intent of these messages was purely to upset Alan's family. Luckily, the police did end up tracking down the troll and identifying who it was. This person was put in jail for 10 months. In my opinion, 10 months is not long enough at all. There should have been a steeper sentence because what these little pranks and jokes do is they slow down an investigation. Instead of following real leads, tracking down real suspects, police are sent on a wild goose chase. Resources are shunted away from the investigation just for someone to pull a stupid little prank. Another reason that I say that 10 months is not enough is oftentimes these trolls, they get satisfaction out of being caught. It's like, oh, I get put in the limelight for such a big case. So they become repeat offenders. That's exactly what happened in this case. Just days after his release, this troll was back at it again and started messaging Alan's family. And once again, he was put in jail, this time for only eight months. On the 9th of August 2015, the police announced that they had discovered skeletal remains at an address in Riverside Park, Glenrothes. However, it was soon determined that these remains were not that of Alan Bryant Jr. Then, two years later, on the 16th of July 2017, the police actually conducted a very deep and thorough search of a property in Glenrothes. And this was a residential property that they searched for four weeks straight. Again, no evidence or traces of Alan were found. On the 26th of July 2018, the police actually conducted a search of a river. And this is River Leven, which is in Fife, and they actually only searched it for two hours before the divers resurfaced and they called off the search. No evidence was found during this river search either. Now, there are a lot of theories in this case that you can find on the internet that are very, very wild and quite out there. Some of which suggest the potential involvement of travelers, human even modern But there are two prime theories circulating this case, both of which Alan's own parents actually believed at some point. Now, the first theory actually links back to when Alan broke a shop window two weeks prior to his disappearance. It is actually theorized that the group of people that Alan had been with that night had actually been part of an organized crime group, and that Alan had potentially exposing information about this organized crime group that he could bring to court and tell the court on his court date, which was two days after he went missing. The theory then goes on to say that this organized crime group took advantage of Alan in his very drunk and disoriented state and effectively got rid of him. I personally find it really, really odd that Alan had gone with his friends to this engagement party, been with all his friends at this engagement party, then got in a minibus with his friends to the nightclub and then left alone. He didn't even leave with a single person. It isn't publicly known what's the group said that were with him on the night that he disappeared, 
but why would you just leave your friend to go alone if they're in a drunk state? That's just really, really strange to me because at least in my friend groups, we wouldn't ever leave somebody to walk home alone, especially if they're drunk. We at least see them to the taxi to take them home. Now, Alan had actually left his jacket at the venue of the engagement party, which means he had no warm clothes at all. And in this jacket, he had reportedly also left his wallet, which had his money in. He had no way to keep himself warm in the winter, and he also didn't have a mobile phone. He had actually broken his mobile phone two weeks prior to his disappearance. Whether he had himself broken the mobile phone or the group that had been with him when he had accidentally broken that shop window had broken the mobile phone to destroy any evidence that that's unknown. Perhaps this phone had been destroyed due to a photo or video or even text evidence on it that could have been used to prosecute the organized crime group or expose them further. So the group destroyed the mobile phone and then eliminated Alan. But again, this is just a theory. Now, the next theory is that Alan had actually left the nightclub and gone to a house party. And when he got to this house party, something had gone really very, very wrong and a fight broke out and Alan had been severely injured and unfortunately succumbed to those injuries. It is theorized that Alan's remains were then dumped either in a river or a nearby ditch. Police actually investigated this theory, but they found no evidence to support it. And I believe they actually um, searched that residential property for that four weeks on account of this theory and then even the river on account of this theory but again they found no evidence to confirm it it seemed as if alan left the club and then vanished into thin air in my personal opinion i this case is so i really don't know this case really stumps me i i think there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and there's a lot of hearsay but there's really nothing concrete to point to where Alan is. No trace of Alan has been found since. Like I say with all of my cases, I do encourage that you go and do your own research into this case. And let me know your theories down below. In my opinion, since it's been so long since Alan went missing, I unfortunately do believe that he is no longer with us. I do, however, hope that some closure is brought to the family. I hope that they can recover his body, recover his remains, so that they can have some form of closure, so they can really say a proper goodbye. I feel like at every single point in this investigation, police were purposely trying to sabotage the investigation. First of all, it took them five days to send out requests for CCTV footage. Five days. Anybody knows that the first 48 hours of a missing persons investigation are absolutely crucial. They are absolutely vital. They didn't send out a second support van to the Sticks nightclub when the first one broke down. Why would they not do this? This is just clear evidence that the police didn't care about this family. The police didn't care about Alan. As a result of their incompetence, of their poor police work, Alan's family is left without a son. I am not too inclined to believe that this was in any way gang related simply because Alan didn't have a shoddy past. He didn't have anything in his history to suggest that this would be gang related other than the claim from his father that the night of the incident he was seen with people 
with links to organized crime. And I just think that he was at the wrong place at the wrong time and this world is full of people with ill intentions so I think that's what happened to him that he just met someone with very bad intentions and he lost his life as a result. And that is everything that we have for you in today's case. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my Summer of True Crime series. I'd just like to say thank you again to Mafundo for coming and helping me out on this video. And don't forget to jump over to her channel and check out the video and the case that we did over there. Don't forget to like this video if you found it interesting. Leave a comment down below telling me what you thought of this case. Subscribe to this channel and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time that I post. And if you're a mobile user, make sure you click all notifications so you get all the notifications for when I post and with all that being said I will see you in the next case if you hadn't run away every time I asked you stay you would sleep right next to me